Hello everyone, and welcome to the Spanish and Portuguese Society podcast. My name's John Neild, and I'll be your host today, so sit back and relax, and let's explore some Hispanic and Lusophone culture. Maybe it's unwise for me to mention, but I'm recording my section of the podcast today after our Brazilian carnival evening, which if you were there, you'll know that it definitely lived up to expectations. We had funk music, we had reggaeton, and my voice is recovering from the festivities, but hopefully that will not take away the content of today's podcast. And speaking of, we've got a great episode today. We've got our usual phone-in from abroad, and today we're off to Salamanca with Ross. Then Ana Torres, our president, will be catching up with Sylvia about a charity event we're hosting in March. But first, it's our roundtable discussion with our final years. Today, it's the turn of Anna Davis and Charlie Allen. He'll be looking at the question, beginner's language, worth the hassle. Let's see what they have to say. Okay, guys, so for the next part of our podcast, I'm joined by two final year students. I've got Anna Davis and Charlie Allen. And the topic of our roundtable discussion is beginner's language, worth the hassle. And that's a question we'll be asking at the end of this segment. So, Charlie, do you want to introduce yourself? Where are you from? What do you study? And which was your beginner's language? Yep. So my name is Charlie. I'm in my final year at Queen's. Um, I study Spanish and Portuguese and Portuguese was the beginner's language I chose. Um, it's not offered at Queen's at post-A level because it's not very common. Um, but yeah, um, I feel like the general consensus about this is that I'm pretty happy that I chose Portuguese. Um, but I'm sure that John will come up with some questions <laughs> where I can get that even further out there <laughs> yeah well it'd be interrogating that fact you're completely <laughs> correct and Anna your turn introduce yourself hi I'm Anna and I'm final year French and Spanish student um and I picked Spanish because I chose to do English French and German as my A-levels so German isn't actually um an option to study at Queen's so that's why I picked Spanish Brilliant. And Spanish was your beginner's language. It was, yeah. So Charlie from Portuguese, beginners, Anna from Spanish, and I'm French beginner. So we've done one of each. <laughs> um, let's start with, you've mentioned this briefly already, but why did you choose to take a beginner's language? Why did you want that challenge? And I'll, I'll start. I really wanted to do French um, from scratch because I loved Spanish. I love romance languages. It was offered at Queen's, it wasn't offered at many other universities. They usually offered like Italian or even Chinese, but I liked France and I just thought, let's take this challenge. It's not too different from Spanish as they're both Romance languages, they come from Vulgar Latin. So I thought, let's do French and let's take this head on. Charlie, why why Portuguese? It's quite an unusual language. Um, yeah. It's not offered at A-level, for example. Um, similar to your reasons, but also because of the fact that it's a bit, not, I don't want to say obscure, you know, it's a very widely spoken language, but it's not very well represented in terms of education. Um, I chose it because of that reason, because of the fact that it's quite a niche in the market as well. So I know that when I graduate, hopefully there might be, you know, unique opportunities I can get with it. Um, and also just because of its similarity to Spanish, I don't want to press on that too much, but it is, you know, it definitely helps. That, that it has so many similarities to Spanish as as does French, but I think probably to a lesser extent. Um, but yeah, that those would be the, the main reasons for me. So you spoke about the similarities. What about that first year when you're presented with your first, say, Portuguese text? Were you able to read a bit of it because you already knew Spanish? We was it a help in terms of like infinitives and grammar? Yeah, so I was, I started looking like I started doing some basic like Duolingo and stuff and I was just looking at it in general before I went in and I was very, you know, sometimes impressed by some things I could read, sometimes really confused, um, you know, there are definitely, Portuguese definitely has its, um, you know, uh, its nuances. unique, yes, yeah. its nuances, um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, it's it's similar enough to Spanish so that I felt on the edge of my comfort zone. I wasn't completely out of my comfort zone, but it was still definitely, you know, uh, a long learning journey and still is. Great. And what about you, Anna? Um, why did you choose beginner Spanish and a bit of those challenges in first year, if you want to mention that as well? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, so I've always been quite passionate about languages. Um, I think, as I said there, I studied French, German and English as my A-levels. So the way that my school worked was quite unusual, I think. Um, so everyone studied French and then you kind of, the years were alternate. So one year studied Spanish, one year studied German. Um, so I was the German year. So I actually never got the opportunity to study Spanish. Um, That's I was interesting. Kind of forced, yeah, I was just kind of forced <laughs> into doing German. Um, and yeah, I took it to A-levels, um, but it was really, really difficult. And I loved French. Um, and it was at the Queen's Open Day that I realised that I could actually um, pick up Spanish because I didn't realise you could actually do that as a degree pathway. Um, so, yeah, and because it's so similar to French, I think I just kind of knew that, yeah, I, I would love to do this. So went from there. And it's similar, but there are some key differences. Anything particular during those first two years before you got out to Spain that you struggled already knowing French, but transitioning to Spanish? Um, nothing kind of springs to mind instantly, but I think because they are so kind of similar, like there was one thing I can think of in my French test in first year, like my the exam, like one of my sentences, I translated it with Spanish vocab. So even like small things like that, I don't know, in first year, I was kind of making mistakes um, that, yeah, I don't know, I wasn't really realizing I was doing. Yeah fair enough I think for me going from Spanish to French the really difficult thing that I could not get during the first year was the French accent because mm. in Spanish they love to pronounce every syllable <laughs> your mouth is really open making these lovely noises and then French to me was such a shock that you have to keep your mouth very closed you've got to yeah. not pronounce certain letters um, for example, the third person plural of a verb, mm. you do not pronounce the E and T in the present tense, yeah. which I just could not comprehend. <laughs> um, and I still, even in final year, I still have problems with that. But yeah. you do eventually start to get used to it and you get used to the nuances in the same language. Yeah. Going on to practical advice, if you were to give some tips to somebody who's just started their degree doing a beginner's language, what tip would you give? Maybe Charlie, if you want to go first. It can often seem intimidating, um, but just keep keep at it. Um, I think there's the idea that, you know, um, it's going to be similar to things you've seen before, but also just accept the fact that you're not going to understand everything you see, you know, within the first few months. That's perfectly understandable. And that's why also a Queen's final year is probably worth the least out of the whole degree. Um, alongside the the year abroad assessments as well. Wait, wait, clarify that one second. The which bit is the least part the of your first degree? year? The first year. I thought you said final year, of... which made me. Oh, sorry, did I? <laughs> He's completely sorry, misread. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, I got final year in my mind. The first year. Um, is the first easy. year, yes, is worth. Um, I think it's ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's formulated. It gives you the skills <laughs> for the rest. So, of the so, so just take that time to sort of, you know, um, make it all make sense in your head and sort of, you know, just keep at it, um, keep on top of it as well. But it will, it will, you know, fall into place eventually. Yeah. And Anna, some words of wisdom for somebody who begins <laughs> Spanish. Um, I would just say, you know, try and stay motivated. Like at the end of the day, I know in Spanish and French is different to Portuguese. After your first year, you're going to go into classes with people who have done French and Spanish for maybe seven, eight years um, and you've got one year's experience. Like even my beginner Spanish class, like I'd never done any Spanish before. Everyone else in my class had done GCSE Spanish, so I knew nothing. Um, so I think even, yeah, just trying to stay motivated, any spare time you have, just do some vocab, like read the news, just try and immerse yourself as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. And my advice would be that in the first two years, oral classes are going to oh, be yeah. painful at times because <laughs> yeah. you can't yet articulate yourself. And if you're used to doing that in another language, it's frustrating when you can't in the new one. 
so yeah. I couldn't with French for a while and honestly Vanessa god bless yeah. her like she, she helped me so much during that and Marie-Vaughan Marianne as well in French yeah um, but really do go to the classes because you need that experience you need to be yeah. able to keep practicing and making mistakes learning from them and even though it might be nice to think oh actually I I might skip that class for an hour because I want to do something else but just go because yeah. you need that um, immersion in the language and yeah. all classes are perfect um, opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. You know it wouldn't be a languages degree without the year abroad and I know that we studied through unprecedented times due to Miss Rona. Um, did you get out uh, to the country at any point? Did you get to Portugal or Spain? Charlie? <laughs> So I um, did the virtual year abroad for most of my time. So we started in the September 2020 and then finished around May 2021. I was then double vaccinated and I was kind of, you know, now is the time. None of us who did Portuguese were able to get out and do an actual sort of an Erasmus or a work placement or anything. Mm -hmm. um, my original plan was to study in Braga in the north of Portugal. I was going to study there for six months. Um, but sadly, um, you know, because of coronavirus, that wasn't possible. So yeah. I then decided once I was double vaccinated and everything, I went over to Portugal for a month. I went during, well, from the end of June to the end of July, um, just traveling, you know, um, by myself. And at the end, I saw other students from Portuguese as well, which was great. Um, it was the first time I'd seen them in years. Well, years, probably about a year at that point. Um, <laughs> Still a long so, time. Isn't it? Now I think about it, it's mad. <laughs> Um, but also just to keep in contact with the language and just to be able to say, you know, um, I had something of a year abroad experience. Yeah. Did you speak lots of Portuguese when you were there? That's the big question. <laughs> I did. Yes. You did? <laughs> I, I, it was it was good in the end because I was worried if I'm just staying by myself, mm -hmm. how much am I going to be able to do? But I think that 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 is where sort of the virtual year abroad aspect came into play is that you've got to be self-sufficient you've got to be pushing yourself to do that it's not just going to happen for you especially in times of pandemic <laughs> yeah i heard this once that it's not like osmosis and that is completely correct <laughs> language learning you cannot just sit in a room and listen to languages yeah. and it all just filters into your head magically you've got to really put the graft in um, and it sounds like that you did during your virtual year abroad and the time that you were there. And you've got to make the mistakes as well. You've got yeah. to make the mistakes because you just won't know what's correct. Did you make any huge mistakes in Portuguese when you're speaking the language whilst you were there? Not huge as I can think of, but there are just occasionally things whereby I wish now, I, I wish that I'd look back and just would have gone, oh, can you repeat, rather than having walked away, not having yeah. understood what that person was saying, because it was the least awkward thing at the time. And also one thing that really got me was masks. You know, in Portugal at the time, you had to wear masks even on the street, etc. Mm -hmm. And it was just so difficult because Portuguese in Portugal, especially the accent is so closed and so, you know, difficult to understand without a mask. And then all of a sudden, masks on top of that, and it's just yeah. a completely different ball game. It really is. Yeah, it's harder to make yourself um, understood when you're wearing a mask in a foreign language. That's an added skill, um, I guess. But I, for a listening exam, I suppose that you wouldn't be able to see somebody's mouth, so maybe it's a good practice in that in that sense. Anna, did you get to Spain at all during your degree? Um, yes, yeah, so like Charlie, I did the virtual year abroad. Um, I did that from September until April May times. And then I kind of just decided that I had to go to Spain. I think the year abroad is so important for any language student, but particularly a beginner's language students, like you yeah. had no time in that country really actually being able to comprehend the language or try and communicate in it. So I forced myself to go to Spain and I au pair'd for two months and it was fantastic, both in terms of improving like my Spanish, but also like kind of comprehending the culture and seeing things firsthand. Um, so I au pair'd in a small town called Solsona and it was in Catalonia. So I was able to kind of 
grasp the political side of things, which is something I would never normally be interested in. But Mm -hmm. seeing it from like first hand perspective from this family was so interesting to me. And then I was able to bring that in in, into my oral exam. Did they speak Catalan as well? Yeah, so they spoke. Yeah, they spoke Catalan, but um, you know, at the dinner table or whatever, they spoke in Castilian Spanish, um, mm-hmm. and then the kids didn't speak any English, so it was entirely Castilian with them. Oh, that's good that the children didn't speak English. Yeah, um, no, that's they beneficial. Knew very little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was an au pair in France, the children all spoke English fluently, which meant that my I didn't speak as much French as I could. Yeah. So then I went for a month in Montpellier where I did a French immersion course and that was really beneficial because you could ask all those difficult questions about grammar and it would all be taught in French which was incredibly useful and it got me up to speed and ready for the oral exam when I came back into final year. Next question, um, second to last one, if you could would you do it all again and this is where we get to the title was it worth the hassle because when nobody here is saying that a beginner's language is easy it's a difficult challenge but if you went back would you still have done it i would say yes but i would put a big asterisk and say without pandemic i think that was obviously (laughs) i mean i mean yeah it's out of your control I feel I feel like that is everyone's big asterisk on it but you know I think that really was the hardest part but also you know I think it just shows that you know we got out of it and we did it and we're still here and we're still speaking the language and we're doing our final year in it now and we're going to you know graduate and go into jobs or keep studying or whatever related hopefully to the languages that we've picked up and so I would definitely say yes, because there's no there's no way I could say no on that one. Very good. And But if the option were there, like life without the pandemic, you'd probably go for that one. I know oh, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody enjoyed the pandemic, but <laughs> it's good that you still value Portuguese. Anna, was it worth the hassle? Um, definitely, yeah. I think there were times that it was hard, but there was never really a time that I thought, oh, I really regret doing this um like charlie said there it definitely would have been a lot easier had we been able to spend the entire year abroad but actually now i feel like my spanish is you know the same level as my french if not a bit better a bit stronger um so yeah which is i never really thought would happen but um yeah yeah i think if i went back and asked myself this question when I just moved in second year and I was in with fellow students who did A-level French and then me doing beginners without a GCSE in French, I would have said, no, get out of here, run 100 (laughs) miles and study like history or something. But no, now that I've been through it and I've been able to spend time in France and I've put the work in and my French is up to my level of Spanish, definitely worth the hassle. You know, three languages is better than two. Um, So why not have that extra skill? So I would say it was worth the hassle, um, even though there's been bumps in the road, like like there was in the language that you didn't do at beginner's level, it was still worth it yeah. in the end. And if I came back to you, if we do a part two of this in, say, 70 years time, when we're like 92, <laughs> 93, and we're in the nursing home, and I said to you, was the beginner language always part of your life? Are you sitting there doing a crossword in Portuguese <laughs> or Spanish right now? Is it? <laughs> Do you think it will be? Do you think you'll always have that um, extra language that you did at beginners? I I really hope to say yes um, because I really enjoy Portuguese. Um, I kind of just thought when I chose it, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be a nice add-on to my Spanish. Yeah. But now I'm really thinking that I can do something completely in Portuguese with Spanish as a as a side thing um, but at the end of the day maintaining both is now super important for me. Yeah and you've added so many people that you can speak to in the world um, you've got you now that you speak Spanish and you speak Portuguese you've unlocked the whole of Latin America bar French Guiana and parts of the Caribbean so and bits of Welsh as well in Argentina but other than that you're almost there in terms of a whole continent. 
Um, what about you, Anna? Will it always be a part of your life, your beginner's language? Um, I hope so, yeah. I think that, you know, if you pick up a language in first year and then you come out, like you've graduated in it, like I can't see why you wouldn't want to keep it with you. Um, especially, you know, we've started from scratch and worked so hard. Um, so I think it is something to be proud of. And I think in that sense, you will always kind of take it with you. Definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing your puzzle wisdom and lots of advice to those maybe considering a beginner's language or have just started it. Um, I suppose they can look at what's to come in terms of us in final year. We now speak the languages at a good enough level and we all agree that it's worth the hassle. So thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, best of luck for the rest of final year. Thank you for featuring on our podcast. Thank, Thank you very you much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Charlie and Anna, for sharing that section of the podcast. That's really useful for those that are doing beginners languages, and I'm sure they'll take that all on board. I was a bit worried that when I asked, was it worth the hassle? Imagine if they turned around and said no, it would be quite awkward. But no, they are firmly in the opinion, like I am, that a beginner's language is worth the challenge and the benefits that you reap from it um, are outstanding. Let's now go on to something different. We're off to Salamanca. Let's see who Michelle's filming today. So, hey everyone, welcome to the third podcast of the Spanish Portuguese Society. Today we're on our phone in from abroad, and today we're going to be speaking to Ross. So, Ross, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us what you're studying, where you are, and how you're finding it. Hi, Michelle. Um, it's so, so nice to be here. And it's really nice to be back with my roots at the Spanish Society. Woo! Um, thank you so much for inviting me to come and talk. I'm so, so happy to be back. Um, yes, so as you said, my name is Ross. Um, I study law in Spanish at Queen's. Um, I'm in my third year and I am currently in Salamanca, um, continuing my legal studies. And I know for you, Michelle, Salamanca needs no introduction because you went to Salamanca um, last year on your year abroad. Um, but for those who don't know Salamanca, um, it's one, I'm not being biased by the way, but Michelle, you'll agree with me, but it's one of Spain's most beautiful, most historic cities. Um, it's two hours outside Madrid. It's actually very, very close to the Portuguese border. Uh, yeah. Actually, I know, um, really, really interesting, but I feel like you can live in a place, but you don't actually know much about it. So the last day, um, I was such a nerd and I went on a tour of Salamanca and I found out that Salamanca is called um, La Ciudad de Oro. It's the golden city because yeah, everything is Salamanca. Of the buildings. Yes, the, yes, that's exactly right. Oh, you know more than me, right? You're putting me to shame. Yeah. Okay, yes, <laughs> next, everything's made of sandstone. Yeah. And when the sun shines, it all yeah. like glistens, but it's such a lovely place and it makes studying law here a lot nicer doing it in that setting. <laughs> Like seeing walking through the streets of Salamanca, I remember just like looking around. Like the first time I was there, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like yes, and they're so old. Like this is actually such a city. Like and every, it's like every kind of building kind of matches the same color. Yes, like, exactly. I, like, I remember being there and being like, "Whoa!" Like this is even the street kind of feels like it's all the oh, same. Yeah. So you're so gonna feel like you've transported yourself back to like like medieval times or something because everything's like, <laughs> like antique and so kind of old. Like it's just so it's just so stunning. I think like the Amazing. I know. So how are you finding Salamanca? Like, did you have, um, you moved out in September last year, if I'm right? So yes, how yeah. are you finding it so far? Now you're back for your second semester. Has things been better this time? Or have you still found yourself having some, like, messing home and having some difficulties? Oh, that's a fantastic question. There's actually so much there to um, work through. <laughs> but yes, um, Salamanca is such a lovely city. Um, you know, before I moved here, I had the choice um, between three different cities because obviously um, I study law that's the main part of my course and you have a choice of three different places so you're quite limited and that sounds really bad that you're limited but I feel that the choices that we had Michelle um, as law students are actually fantastic so Salamanca was the first um, of course and um, then we have Alcalá de Henares and then there's Zaragoza um, but Salamanca really is um, the best place I think to be without a doubt and as we said like everything's so beautiful everything's so lovely um, and something I really, really love about it, I think one of the best things, um, back to your question, is that how, although it's a city, it's a really, really small city and yeah. everything is within walking distance. And it made the transition here so much better because Belfast, well, Belfast is a city, Belfast is really small and Salamanca is the exact same. So even if you like walk to like the shops, if you go for like a beer, if you go for your evening walk, you're sure to bump into someone and see a familiar face. Um, but really, really funny story. Um, 
so obviously <laughs> yes prepare yourself so as well as studying i um work as a teacher but i'm sure we'll discuss that a wee bit later on um but it was actually um like the boss or director's um birthday so she invited a few people around for like some like cake some drinks whatever um that was all well and good so we were all kind of like sitting there and having a really lovely time and then next thing you know like the door swings open and like in comes this man but it was only someone that i know from queens who actually has graduated um yes so it was a really no system um, i'm not sure if you know nick but nick he was very involved in the spanish and portuguese society in years gone by but it turns out that nick basically um came to salamanca um on his year abroad he actually worked in the same place as me um and it was it's such a small word and it really just proves to me that like it's such a small city but it's such an amazing amazing place so i think that's the best part amazing i know uv alumni unite <laughs> That's so cool because like that's what I find about Salamanca. Like Salamanca is such a student city as well. Like I think it's one of the biggest Erasmus cities in Spain, yeah. and like like every like there's so many Irish bars there, and there's actually a lot of Irish students from like Dublin and Trinity and stuff. So like going out with them, it's like it is like if you are finding it a bit difficult, like it's so nice to have like there's going to be Irish people there. There's going to be people that like who understand where you're coming from, and like yeah. there's also so many other people. Like I like whenever I was there, like you're going out with people from like France and Italy, and people from like I met some people from like Tennessee and Texas, and it was I know it was so cool. Um, so like what's been the hardest part so far of your Erasmus experience? Oh, okay, that's a really interesting question. Um. Well, I obviously knew that moving to a different country, to a different language, different culture was never going to be easy. And I was, I was always very honest with myself and I always accepted that. Um, and yes, there is times where it has been quite difficult. I think sometimes you can be like not only linguistically isolated, if that makes sense, but you can also be um, culturally isolated. Yeah. Uh, it can be quite difficult at times. Um, and I think what makes it worse, and I think maybe people don't talk about this enough, um, is the fact that you can be really, really homesick. Because um, you are so isolated and like all you want to do is come back to like your family, come back to your friends and just like talk. But you yeah. can't because you're like a whole sea away. And I remember one time at the start, I really, really struggled badly with it. And I remember I'm looking at Google Maps and like searching Straban, where we're both from. And I was seeing how far it was away. And I saw that it was 1,500 miles away. And I remember being, oh my gosh. So I think it's such a massive shock to the system being so far away. Um but as you said, like, I think because it's such a small city, everyone knows each other. There's such a good network here. Um, yeah, it, it really does help with being away. Um, yeah, I definitely think homesickness and being isolated is definitely one of the most difficult things. But I think um, now I'm here in five months. I've kind of like got my job, as I say, I've kind of um, got my own routine. I'm now studying. I kind of, you know, I've kind of like established myself almost. So okay. I do think that definitely helps. And something that I do think is really important too is I always thought, like, to add to the whole isolation factor, that I was the only one that felt like that. But I remember one day chatting. You have to realise it's like, you're, there are other people who are obviously feeling like that. And yes. I think it doesn't hit other people until, like, later on. Yeah. But it really, really does. Which so is, like, keeping in touch with people and contacting them and just being like, hey, like, I'm feeling like this. And, like, ten times, like, nine times out of ten, they would be like, oh, my God, me too. I thought I was. Yes. <laughs> just, like, it's just, it's just talking to people, I think, it actually really it's does. Right. makes you kind of feel, like, oh, reassured that you're not yeah. alone. Trying to realise you're all in the same boat. Um, so I've chatted to, like, a few of my friends, actually from Belfast, the Kimura as well. And I said to them, like, you know, like, I really miss home. And they were like, oh, my gosh, me too. So what we did, um, the day was, like, I remember it so, so well, but it was, like, a really, really, really day. So we went for, like, some lunch. And we were like, where will we go? So what we did is we went to McDonald's. Um, and it was really lovely because we kind of like that familiar food. We looked out and it was raining and we felt like we were back home. Yeah. And it really, really helped us, as stupid as it is. But I think just stupid things like that, talking, doing things, keep yourself busy, having a routine, yeah. um, really goes such a long way. Yeah, like even just speaking to each other with your own accents too sometimes because it's yes. like you're so used to hearing Spanish everywhere and then it's like, oh. Oh, you're so, so right. I, you're so, so right. And actually, but, really funny story too. I'm not sure if you know Alex. Alex was our secretary last year, but Alex is down in Toledo and she came and visited me just before Christmas. Um, and Alex has no real contact with any Irish people. She's kind of Spanish all the time. Um, but when she came up to visit me, as I said, and like 10 minutes into our conversation, she was like, Oh my gosh, Ross, it's so nice to let out my Irish side again. And it was so, so funny. <laughs> right, my own Irish people, that's so good. Um, 
so I heard you you mentioned it about like the different kind of culture in Spain. So what has been like your favorite part of Spanish culture or like a part of the culture that you didn't realize was so like important? And if you could bring one thing of the Spanish culture and bring it to Ireland, what would it be and why? Wow, well, I think Spain is so much amazing things. Um, I think if I could pack the sun in my suitcase and bring that yeah. home, I definitely <laughs> would. <laughs> but I think something that I really, really love and really admire and really come to appreciate is, um, I think in one, well, actually this is two words, but I think, you know, just the Spanish spirit and how everyone's so cool in the sense of like, they're really laid back, they're really chilled. You know, they, they get up, they go for like their yeah. coffee, they go to La Plaza. And like, it's just really, really chill. Whereas back home, if we were quite like, bang, 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 get this done, get that done. But I feel if I could like bring that back, export it back home, um, it would be amazing if we all yeah. had that. That's the one thing um, Jimena told us. She was ah, like, yes. Spanish are so laid back. Like, it's so different from here. And like, see, being there and like, seeing like how chill like the university yeah. is. Like, we, like, they would just, like, some of our um, tareas, our assessments, they would just mark it and they wouldn't tell us why. So we would like email them and be like, hey, I just want to know, like, is the grammar okay? Is everything else okay? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and, <laughs> No, I think it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Them being so laid back. <laughs> you're not kind of used to, and it's like because you're used to everything being like so scheduled and regimented. Yes. Go in yeah, there. Right. The first class I ever went into, it was my first day, and I walked in, and there was just this Spanish teacher standing there, and then he just started speaking. There was no introduction. There was no PowerPoint. And I was like, he he was like from Andalusia as well. Oh, no, and, oh, like, they make things worse. I know, I was like, oh no, we don't have speak it. And I was like, right, so I don't really ever get in like every other two words. But I think the good part is though, you kind of do find yourself picking up more, which is kind of great. So, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, how are you finding like your Spanish? And have you noticed like an improvement in it? Like, I feel like obviously I think the confidence is probably the kind of key part. But have you noticed like a big improvement? And have you had any kind of, uh-oh, like that was really misinterpreted for all the <laughs> moments with your Spanish. <laughs> yes, um, definitely. I think it was on a doubt, you know, that's something that the year brought, I think that was like, kind of its main reason that we do it, is to improve our confidence and, you know, our kind of ability to be able to speak Spanish. And I definitely have noticed such an improvement um, in how far I've come without a doubt. Um, so it's fantastic for that. But as you say, like, I think as much as the good times you have, you do have some really um, bad blunders the Spanish and something that comes to mind and it's really really stupid but you know if you go to like the shop and you kind of have like everything in your head where it's like oh hola que tal blah 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 can I have this can I pay for a card yes thank you goodbye and you kind of like the script in your head of what you're going to say well one day I went to the shop and like I had all the script in my head what I was going to say blah 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 but the girl the cashier was like oh do you have a loyalty card and I was like, this isn't all the script. What am I meant to say? Oh, my God. And like, I knew exactly what she said, but because I wasn't prepared for it, I feel like it can really throw you off. But I've learned, um, back to your question um, about any mistakes, like languages aren't robotic. They aren't like static. It isn't scripted. They're natural. They're free-flowing. And so I think um, mistakes are fantastic in the sense that you can learn from them. So, yes, lots of mistakes. But as long as you learn from them, that's the main thing. Yeah, I remember like at one moment my computer actually broke when I was out there and I was oh, like, no. oh, God, what am I going to do? I don't even know how to explain this in English because like the, the yes. battery had like exploded <laughs> and like it was just, it was so, oh, I literally planned out step by step what I was going to say to this computer guy and then I went in there and I just went, Vuh! and so <laughs> I said it all and he was like, Como? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, hola. <laughs> and then he got it there, but he started asking me all these questions that I just oh, wasn't prepared no, for. So he, it's just learning to like take a step back and actually think it through and yeah. be like, right, this is what he's asking me and this is what I'm going to say. And I was really buzzing then because he did understand me and I didn't understand what I was saying. And I was like, oh, this, like that was my <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm actually speaking Spanish. Like, <laughs> um, Fantastic. An added bonus, your laptop was fixed. I know. <laughs> I didn't know if he would get the right thing I was trying to say because I was like, I don't know how to explain all these technical terms. Like I spent the night before looking up like, what is the proper word for battery? Because I was like, is it actually what I think it is? Or is it something yeah, different? Yeah, you second guess yourself. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's just trying to make sure you're like, so like, just, what's the word? Like, you're just so like, what is the word? 
Like you just like they just understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You're so so right. So so right. Yeah. So um, you have a job teaching English. If I remember. Yes. You this on Instagram actually. <laughs> How did you how did you like come across this job and like how did you find like the whole kind of application and like interview process because it's kind of kind of interesting because people yes. listening probably would be looking to do placement jobs and stuff so yes exactly like giving exactly. a wee bit of insight into that so like how did you find all that um we'll see the story behind it um just the backstory um when I came to Spain I promised myself that when I returned to Ireland I was going to return a more rounded, a more better person. Um, so as part of that, I was like, you know what, like instead of just spending my days after class going and like having a coffee on the plaza, as great as that is, I want to do something a wee bit more, you know, enriching, rewarding. Um, so I came across this job application. It was actually through um, ESN, the Erasmus Student Network on campus. And they put it into like the big group chat being like English teacher wanted. So I thought, you know what, like, let's try this. Um, so I applied because um, I do have some experience in the past tutoring and I really love Spanish. So I thought, you know, I'd merge both of them. Um, long story short, did the interview, most nerve wracking thing of my life, might I add. But I finally got the job and I'm five months later. I am still an English teacher in Spain, teaching English to Spanish people. Um, but it's really amazing because no two days are the same. So I teach um, right from beginners um, right up until um, experts who are like nearly native um, speakers, but one of my most interesting classes is um, obviously I'm here studying law, but um, I teach a legal English course to um, legal professionals, legal scholars, legal professors from the law faculty at the University of Salamanca. And yes. Oh my God, you're teaching your teachers. <laughs> Literally, and to be fair, it's it's really like imposter syndrome because before I first began our first meeting, I kind of did like I shouldn't confess this, but I did like a Wikipedia search of some of them. But like oh, yeah. one of them was like, uh, well, is like this big like Spanish criminal law author, and like she sells books all over the place. Another one of them was um Castilla Leon's, which is my region, um cultural minister. So before I started the meeting to like deliver my class. My heart was in my oh mouth. My like God. these people who are like infinitely more smarter than I ever will be. And I'm sitting here teaching them. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, it's actually one of my favorite classes that I teach. Um, they're so lovely. And I feel like it's amazing, Michelle, you would absolutely love it. It's, um, it's, it's, it's really mutually beneficial because not only do they learn legal English, but I also learn like from them because like all their answers are really insightful really deep and really like legal and I just love it so that's one of my favorite classes it's absolutely amazing my job I love it that's amazing I can't believe that's so cool you're teaching <laughs> do you have any of them for your classes or no thankfully not because I oh. could think of anything more awkward than doing that uh, but it really is one of those things you kind of like pinch yourself moments isn't yeah. it do something like that that's amazing um, like how are you finding studying in Salamanca yes but I should probably preface that like um, for those who study law in Spanish it's not compulsory that you pass everything but the university does recommend that you try your best so I didn't pass all of mine but I did pass two and I was Fantastic. very proud of those two because it actually is it actually was like getting your head around everything because it's so, so different difficult. yeah I actually really admire you for that um, I feel like <laughs> doing that we like caution thing at the start all like the lecturers listening will be like tick 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 well done Michelle um, but yes as you said like it isn't compulsory to go um, or to really you know actively participate at all in classes but I do go um, definitely just to try and like practice my Spanish yeah. and to kind of like be like exposed to like these like legal kind of concepts and things in Spain it's really good to see like a different jurisdiction and how they operate yeah, um, but yes I don't have a lot of and it was like they have like civil law and stuff that we wouldn't have yes. here. It's and so like, interesting the difference. It was like brought we have because we do presentations every week, so we've been able to like bring in some of the stuff that we know and like they're <laughs> out there. Like yeah, like this is in the Spanish civil code. <laughs> and you feel like so it's like an expert, but you kind of throw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's fantastic to kind of see um how different things work. Um, but I don't have a lot of contact hours, so that's why I picked up my job to kind of like fill the day. Um, but by and large, though, it's really, really amazing. Um, there isn't really much of a difference, I don't think, between Spanish um, university and back home in the sense of like teaching style, lectures, if it's much the same, which really makes the transition quite easier as well, I think. Yeah, that's a good thing because it's like kind of like the whole, like teaching is kind of a universal thing. So like you can't really go wrong with that. So exactly, yeah. You know, like, right, if this is really difficult, at least like, there, at least there's a PowerPoint on the screen 
for at least like I can email the teacher and ask. But yeah, yeah. you're so right. Um, so I think before we finish up, I just want to, if you could sum up your experience so far in the five months you've been there in four words. Oh my gosh, this is such a difficult, difficult, difficult question. Um, I think challenging would be a good word. I think eye-opening, I'm not sure if that's two words or not. So challenging. I did this one. Okay, challenge is one. Eye-opening, we'll count that as one. Um, I think really um, interesting. And I think another one would be burnt because every day I come home like an absolute strawberry. <laughs> so that would be my four words. <laughs> yeah, we, like, we, we moved out in flipping February and it was like, just as soon as we got there, it was like, get the sun cream, like factor yes. on. And like, uh, if you notice, like we going over there it was really it was warm for us as Irish people but like we would go away wearing like t-shirts and like just a pair of jeans or like shorts and then all the Spanish people would be like in big massive coats and all yes. and, like, staring at us and I was like it's okay we're Irish it's fine and it's always like spot the giddies. you can always spot the giddies, always yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much Ross for talking through the day taking time out of your schedule to talk to me um like I really enjoyed it really enjoyed talking to you um and like all your stories and stuff it's so interesting to hear like especially because you know Sam I could do yes um, uh, it's, a, it's a trip to my memory lane for you I think isn't it <laughs> I don't know to see you too because I haven't seen you in person forever because yes you're from the same town folks who went to the same secondary school shout out to Holy Cross College how to get that the best Spanish department in the world might I <laughs> yeah thank you so much for um agreeing to talk with me and I've enjoyed it so much and um, if anyone listening or whatever would like to contact Ross or yep. me about, um, or any of us on the committee about Erasmus or anything, message the Instagram page and or email the society, and we will get in touch with you. So thank you so much, Ross. Um, I will let you go you. and have a, probably a siesta. Is it siesta? <laughs> uh, maybe we cafe, college. Um, but enjoy yourself and hope you have a really nice day. Thanks, Michelle. So nice talking. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Ross. My favourite bit was about McDonald's and Straban. It made me very hungry. But it's not until you go away you realise what you miss. And if you miss McDonald's and Straban, then good for you. And I'm sure um, when you go back to Straban, Ross, you'll be reunited with your beloved McDonald's. Um, other fast food chains are available. Now, let's see what our cultural part is. Anna, our president, is catching up with Sylvia, head of a charity, and she'll be talking about an event that's taking place. Now, Anna says it's the 4th of March. That is absolutely fake news. It's actually taking place on the 11th of March, and it's not happening in the Students' Union. It's happening in Elmwood's Hall. So every time she says the 4th of March, um, just think, no, that's not happening. It's the 11th. Um, but she's going to explain a bit about what's actually taking place. So over to Anna. Okay, so hi everyone and welcome back to the Spanish and Portuguese Society podcast. I'm very happy to be back speaking to you today and today with me I have uh, the wonderful woman uh, Silvia Martins who last year was deputy head of charity of the QB Law Society and she got in contact with our society last uh, year so in October of 2021, about an amazing initiative called Fundasal Ama Orfao. So, hi Sylvia, how are you? Hi, I'm not too bad, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> no worries. And how did you come to be vice president of the foundation for the orphanage called Fundasal Ama Orfao? So for our non-Portuguese speaking uh, listeners, that would be Love the Orphanage Foundation. Yes, so basically um, all began um, when my uh, cousin was in Guinea-Bissau and she um, she was, you know, uh, she just met like a, a pastor or priest um, that introduced her to the orphanage and she was chose as like a godmother because that this is something very common, you know, in Guinea-Bissau, mm -hmm. like most orphanages, they have like godmothers. Okay. And uh, at that time, I was actually in hospital. <laughs> so oh, okay. I was mm -hmm. uh, in hospital, but planning mm -hmm. to send a container to Guinea-Bissau. 
and um and um i was planning to um that was involved like uh sending some um uh like um Session, school stationery and um, uh, classroom furniture to my mm -hmm. mother-in-law because she also has um, a school, a non-profit school. Mm -hmm. um, and so through my cousin, I just, you know, she just said, like, can you please get involved? Yeah. And I said, okay, yes, despite my, all of my, you know, yeah. rooms and being hospital, I just said yes. And that's how I just yeah, of course. involved. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's amazing that you're so passionate about it, like despite your health condition. Um, and the container that was sent over just after Christmas, wasn't it? Yes, the container yeah. was sent uh, in November, and we and arrived in mm -hmm. uh, was about it was in at the end of December, mm -hmm. uh, and then we just only released in yeah last month. So mm -hmm. yeah, and. Uh, okay. Yes, so we just gather, thanks to the Northern Ireland, uh, uh, you know, community and some other communities that live in Northern Ireland, we gathered mm -hmm. tons of uh, materials. We sent uh, like a 40 uh, food container with okay. beds, you know, cots, clothes, mm -hmm. shoes, mm -hmm. like loads of things, like lots yeah. of goods, you know, that will yeah. benefit both the Fundação Orphan and yeah. also the you know the the school my my mother-in-law's uh school yeah. yeah so the foundation is to make it's to build this orphanage but the orphanage also acts as a school yeah yes that's okay. right so it okay. has uh so the the orphanage has also a school that called uh, a nova esperanza which is which oh, means yeah. like the new hope new hope yeah yes so um this is uh, because basically that is a big problem in Guinea-Bissau in regards to education. So mm -hmm. um, every orphanage has their own school because okay. the public schools, like majority of the year, they are closed due to corruption. And um, so staff are not being paid. And yes. they, so mm -hmm. they don't teach, you know, and yeah. uh, most kids um, have to go to either private schools or non-profit schools you know I and see. yeah okay. and so the cycle continues yeah yeah no because it was the newly elected president right that he it's, it's him that refuses to pay the it's, it's, it's a it's actually uh an ongoing issue uh in Ghana Bissau even with the okay like this one I don't get <laughs> don't want to get into that road but this one is, yeah uh it's a bit uh, how can I explain um, this uh, new president? He's doing a lot of things that it's not it's not good for the country. Yeah, it's impacting like in terms of everything, like education, health, mm -hmm. uh, especially especially healthy education. I would say it's the mm -hmm. the, the, the the two main uh, biggest like concerns about the country. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, so. But hopefully things improve. Yeah, of course. Time and mm -hmm. there is some uh, NGOs there trying to help. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the children uh, in the Guinea-Bissau culture. I would say, like the children, they are they would be classified as the lower class. Um, it's very bad to use that word, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's like um, even see even when they are. Um, even if, imagine if they are all having a dinner, like mm -hmm. the adults will be eating first and the oh. leftovers will be for the, the children, you know. Oh, and okay. It's a bit a part of the culture. And also okay. if, for example, like um, the mother goes to the hospital, you know, and just dies mm -hmm. uh, during the labor or because the hospital has no conditions at all and mm -hmm. the child is just left with, the, you know, the father... Uh, mm -hmm. The father would actually, uh, you know, eventually just abandon the child okay. or leave it with someone else or, you know, mm -hmm. because they never assume the responsibility, like, yeah. you know. Oh, okay, of course. So that's why the orphanage is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, and uh, uh, girls and women, they are, you know, um, the most affected, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I say it's it's a bit you know um, the culture uh, again um, 
the 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 girls and and woman they will be like uh how can I explain they will be again like um second class citizens yeah and they will be like you know put apart a little bit you know so uh that's why like i i know uh even a local um lady you know a lady from here from northern islands mm-hmm. she has been there teaching um girls and women how to read and she said like she ne- she had never seen some you know people so passionate about um learning you know because yeah. for them it, that's an opportunity to overcome some challenges you know yeah. even even to see some progress in regards to the 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 country conflict yeah okay that's that's so amazing and you're obviously so passionate about this this initiative but is there is there any reason why this project might be personally important to you oh yes uh, so basically um i i i used to describe myself as someone who has like a thirst of knowledge of knowledge if yeah. that sense mm-hmm. I, I love to read I love to study um mm-hmm. it was very hard uh, to 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 get into education because mm-hmm. um I, I have children and mm-hmm. you know, I, I got married uh very earlier and mm-hmm. um and so I, it took me a while to get mm-hmm. into education and even now it's it has been like difficult but I I just love to study and yeah I think it's uh, one of the most basic human rights like everyone should be um should, should should have the opportunity to um to access education you know yeah. Uh, yeah okay okay thank you so much um so we're actually going to be having a fundraising event um i would just like to announce now on the podcast um on friday the 4th of march it's going to be in the su so the students union lounge on the second floor um, and the organization is still in progress, but we plan to have um, Cape Verdean dancers there. Um, there are dancers from the, wasn't it the FADD studios as well? Yeah. And uh, a Brazilian samba dancer too. So come on down that day um, and be generous and donate. And it promised to be a very fun day of multicultural events. Um, is there anything in particular you could tell us about the, I actually wanted to ask you, Sylvia, earlier, what type of dancers are the FADD studios? Yes, so they, uh, they, they do ballet. And oh, they also, okay. Yes, and they also do uh, contemporary dance, um, um, hip-hop. So mm-hmm. um, sh- uh, I'm still waiting for to, to get back from them. Oh, okay to know what exactly they will be performing yeah but i i i i believe it will be will be something very nice <laughs> okay amazing i'm i'm so excited um i can't wait for it um and we're gonna we're gonna make making food and everything as well i'm going to be making spanish tortilla i'm gonna bring it along uh, my housemate's gonna make indian curry and it's just gonna be a really fun day so please everyone listening if you if you are free that day please do come down um and then I just had a few other like last questions just before we go, because I'm actually studying in in Portuguese at the moment, um, just about like post post-colonial society. So I just kind of had a few questions like we were talking about like the emphasis on Lusophonia after um, like many African nations started gaining their independence from Portugal. Um, and I came across a quote from Jose Saramago that was basically oh, yeah. now now há uma língua portuguesa a language em português. So for those who don't speak Portuguese, that would be there is no Portuguese language. There are languages in Portuguese, and that would be because obviously there's the European Portuguese variant, but there's also um, Brazilian Portuguese that is so widely spoken. There's Portuguese in Angola, in Mozambique, Cabo Verde, Guinea-Bissau. Right even in Goa in India. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask you, you being and identifying as Portuguese, um, what would be, although we are kind of connected by language, languages, it's not as simple as that. Um, and how different is the culture in Guinea-Bissau? Um, yeah. Yes, so um, Guinea-Bissau, the, the official language, it's also Portuguese. Yeah. Um, it's not, um, well, uh, probably the the like the the accent will be different, but mm-hmm. words they don't the words etc they are they, they are not very 
um, different from um, the, you know, the European uh, Portuguese. Yeah. This is because they speak Creole as well. Of course, uh, yeah. Yes. So and uh, and uh, Creole, it's a language which is very similar to Portuguese as well. Some of the yeah. words, but other words and expressions are very funny and different. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, in terms of the culture, mm -hmm. uh, I would say the culture, it's um, it's a bit different in some uh, in some aspects, mm -hmm. uh, especially because uh, Guinea-Bissau has over I hopefully I don't I do I get this right, but uh, about um, I think about 30 different um, ethnic ethnic groups. Okay. So yeah. uh, so it's um, it will be like different cultures, you know. So yeah. the I think the biggest um, the biggest um, uh, ethnic groups are um, the Fulas, uh, which they believe there will be like the true like it's, it's like the first people coming to mm -hmm. you know the people from the country you know and yeah. then they would have um also like balantas and uh they would have muslims as well so mm -hmm. it the, the the culture differs from from et ethnicity to, to, yeah. to you know and um I, in terms of food, it's a it's a big thing in Game South. Food and party, <laughs> so, <laughs> parties like uh, sometimes I even make jokes, you know. Um, and even my husband, they say like in Guinea Bissau, if if your cat dies, they will make a party. <laughs> it's a bit like that, you know. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's literally like that. So they they anyway. just. <laughs> and used to do a party and like another thing that I love in Guinea-Bissau people are really like friendly and they're very humble and it's like it, people love to share you know it's like see if you go there um you will see like the neighbors and everyone just being together and eat and they normally um it's which is very funny as well they they are not normally eat in one big bowl <laughs> all together oh, yes so um okay. yeah and it's very um tricky in these covid times and, and see the, the the food it's a bit like um it's very intense you know the the, yeah. the flavors are very intense it's a bit like the the indian um food i would say they have like um one which is my one of my favorite dishes it's it's um it, it sounds very weird but it's actually very nice yeah. it it's a chicken with peanut butter sauce it oh, sounds no that, that doesn't sound weird that sounds but, lovely oh, it's so lovely and they also use like um other uh natural um they use a lot a lot of natural um of natural uh um foods you know like yeah natural oils and uh like palm oil which i don't know it's a bit of a controversy because some people oh yeah of course uh, yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> they use they, they use palm oil uh, which is lovely very tasty as well um also coconuts they would cook with coconuts rice it's a big it's a big thing in Guinea Bissau like uh, even breakfast even in breakfasts you know <laughs> isn't isn't part of the reason that the traditions are so strong because i think we mentioned it earlier in the year that some of the islands, like is it the Bijagos Islands, awesome. that they like they almost like escaped colonialism, like they were they remained like untouched. Yes, uh, so it, it, it's not like when Portugal um, colonized the Guinea-Bissau, they colonized huh. the whole country. The yeah. difference from the Bijagos, it's um, they uh, they how can I explain the tribes there, uh -huh. they basically didn't allow to be like slaves you know what I mean okay. mm -hmm. so yeah uh, uh uh differently from the the main the mainland uh, the main okay. uh, okay. and um, this is because um you know the, they 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 still you're right in, in certain aspects because mm -hmm. they still do the same things as they did like I don't know about 60 80 or 90 years ago they still yeah. they they were just the barely wear uh clothes <laughs> clothing you know yeah clothes so they will be very like the, the ladies will be just wearing like flower and uh necklace and you know yeah. it's a bit like the our uh, culture as well you know like yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah so okay no that's so so interesting um but thank you so so much sylvia for talking to us today uh for telling us uh more about gay Bissau, about the foundation for the orphanage and i just want to say a massive thank you and uh for also getting in touch just at the beginning of the year um because it's going to be really fun organizing um this fundraising event and i hope that all our listeners are able to come along and to maybe donate as well that would be amazing so thank you once again sylvia i i am the one that's uh, you know should be <laughs> thankful because it's it's uh it's it's a very good um gesture from from the spanish portuguese and spanish society to no not at all pleasure is all ours to help us you know with with this okay and thank you very much thank you have a nice day thank you bye 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 well that was very wholesome thank you so much sylvia and thank you anna um for interviewing i'm really looking forward to the 11th of march in elmwood hall the 11th remember um because we'll be having a bit of culture there's going to be samba i might have a go and i'm the flatmate she's talking about who's going to be making an indian curry so if you like vegan curry please do come along there'll be um lots and lots to enjoy and we'll be raising for a very good course. This is the first time in recent years that we've actually raised money for charities, so that's a really good addition and it's nice to be giving something back. Well, on that note, I can't I could not top that interview, so it's time to finish our podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for supporting the Spanish and Portuguese Society. I've been your host, my name's John, and we'll see you next time. Take care.